On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing the 1996 Tim Burton film, Mars Attacks. Joining on the episode, we have Aaron Newworth from Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Cult Cinema Cavalcade for episode 23. I'm Brandon, and as always with me is your not unusual co-hoster, Cullen. <coughs> Cult Cinema Cavalcade is a bi-weekly movie podcast that finds Cullen and myself discussing a film from cinema's past, considered but not limited to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, every episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. This episode features the discussion of Tim Burton's 1996 film, Mars Attacks. Cullen, tops us off with a plot synopsis, please. Earth is invaded by Martians with unbeatable weapons and a cruel sense of humor. Mars Attacks is directed by Tim Burton and stars... Jack Nicholson, Glenn Close, Annette Benning, Pierce Brosnan, Martin Short, Sarah Jessica Parker, Rod Steiger, Jim Brown, Pam Greer, Dan DeVito, Michael J. Fox, Natalie Portman, Lucas Haas, Sylvia Sidney, Jack Black, Ray J, Joe Don Baker, Christina Applegate, and Lisa Marie. It's a lot of people. Thank you for tuning in to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is our 23rd episode and our first one following our appearance at Indie PopCon. And welcome to those of you who went to that and are checking out our show for the first time. However, we can't tell you much about it because of how our schedule goes. We're recording this before all of that. So, we'll stay tuned for our next episode and we'll probably shed more light on that experience. Hopefully it's good. Yeah. No. <laughs> we uh, recorded a live... So- episode there and we'll probably post that in our monday slot next week so you kind of get like three episodes in a row so if you weren't there you'll get to hear it that's cool right it's a hell of a deal and what an episode it was oh calling you animal Mm. oh man well you know that's how i was raised so they might not they might not ask for us back (laughs) well thankfully i had that robe though to wear out of the place so it wasn't that big of a deal it's proper cosplay. I don't care what they say. Yeah, this is true. If you wanted to backtrack on our episodes, they're on iTunes and on our site, cultcinemacavalcade.com. And you can interact or contact us using Facebook, Twitter at CC Cavalcade, and emailing us at mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Now, the last episode, we told you we'd have a guest, and then we didn't have one. So this time, it's the very opposite. We didn't say anything, and now we have one. So without further ado, and returning to Cult Cinema Cavalcade is Aaron New earth from out now with Aaron and Abe. Oh, it's a hell of an honor to be back, guys. Yes, the, the ravenous Aaron Newworth has returned. <laughs> I'm, I'm apparently I'm only here to do the the '90s the '90s movie editions. Yes. <laughs> no, Aaron. The movies that people have actually heard of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I know Jim Deeds to do the Apple. That's right. 
uh, no, Aaron came to me wanting to be on Mars Attacks. So I was like, oh, well, of course. Yes, yes, you can. Yeah. I, he said Mars Attacks on our on our podcast where we did a commentary recently. Or, no, it was the review. It was our review for, training, for Turtles. And it's like, Mars Attacks? I am so, I'm just so easily intrigued by what you guys have to say that I'm like, I need to be a part of this conversation. Mars Attacks, it's the uh, Tim Burton film based off of a uh, Topps trading card set that Tim Burton used to collect. We need more movies based off Topps trading card sets, honestly. Yeah, and we think Monopoly the movie is a crazy idea. I'm surprised there's not a Pogs the movie. I mean, And this is the 90s before everything was like, oh, franchise, franchise, does that have a name? Well, a brand name that recognized? Boom, put it up there. So this was kind of ahead of its time maybe with that, but... Tim Burton was coming off Ed Wood with a lot of acclaim and was easily one of the top five biggest directors at the time, right? I would say. This is during certainly a, oh, yeah. certainly a director who, like, if you, you like one of those directors where like they can say the name and that's like a marquee thing. Like, you yeah. can put Tim Burton in front of it and be like, oh, I get what yeah. this is supposed to be because it says this person. And people and are that, excited and, for his films. I mean, not, not, not many directors have that kind of like, not only like a visual stamp, which Tim Burton definitely does, but like that kind of name is synonymous with something that people are interested in seeing for a, for a director yeah and for me like and i think a lot of people he has one of those like unquestionably like awesome runs of uh, being a director going back from like Wee's big adventure all the way through i would say sleepy hollow is just like wow and this would probably be the lowest point on that would be mars attacks it, it's it's funny because yeah we, we we talked actually we have a sleepy hollow commentary track yes, we do <laughs> Um, and Sleepy Hollow is my it is my favorite Tim Burton movie. Ed Wood is my is probably like the best. That's his best, Tim yeah, Burton movie. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then this movie comes right in the middle. So I have like this this weird trilogy of Tim Burton films. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like he has the best. This like this this dot this like weird spot with hair on it, and then Sleepy Hollow, <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at all this. I, stuff that happens in this movie it's totally tim burton like it's all over like mm. it's his inspirations from you know that you've seen the other things are all fully realized here i don't know why he set this thing in the 90s <laughs> yeah because a lot of the characters act like they're from the white 50s or early 60s it, i mean he kind of dumps that i mean when you see all the the military vehicles and such the are costumes, all the costumes the, are mm-hmm. all from the the uh the atomic era of sci-fi mm-hmm I mean, with even hints to like Doctor Strange Love in there too. It's, well, I mean, it's almost like a, it's like a comic book to right. for, like it's like it's almost it's like watching I don't know like Gotham, or like you know something set huh. in that kind of universe where it's not necessarily modern because it has time like free. all yeah it has yeah, I mean timeless I guess is time, the kind of yeah. the way to put it but timeless and stylized at the same time. I, yeah, I can give you that where it's yeah you just don't know. I I felt it was kind of pushing the '90s a bit and then kind of abandoning it. There's like the global news network. That's about the only thing that kind of couldn't be like in the 50s or 60s. I mean, you could just have like a regular, you know, newscast or whatever. But I think the arrogance of Michael J. Fox's character. Him and Sarah Jessica Parker's are definitely of the 90s era. Yeah. Well, what like uh, Michael J. Fox's character is Jason Stone. What a perfect name that is for a character like that. Yeah. you know, this person that's just really big on themselves and think they're doing, you know, the most important thing on earth by reporting the news, but it's really just like a hack. And 
this is perfect. Do we do we have time to go in, in this show to go over the entire cast of this movie? We will. We will hit them all. Have <laughs> <laughs> to talk it like twice as fast, but we can. There's try. like I was, I was counting them because I was just so like fascinated with, by watching. I haven't watched this movie in probably over a decade, but it, I watched it and it like fit like a glove in terms of how much I remember like all of the movie oh, and like what yeah. I was and but the, I counted the cat. There's like there's 22 like main cast members in this movie, yeah. and they're, every single one of them, if they're not like an A-list star, which makes up a majority of that list, they're mm-hmm. like a character actor that's either gone on to do a lot of things or certainly been known for a lot of things. It is amazing. Yeah, I yeah mean, this has got like more names in it than like an Irwin Allen film. You know, yes, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, you. I mean, you have past stars like you have. Your Rod Steiger's, Jim Brown, Pam Greer, so, Joe Don Baker, like yeah, you have them. You have rising people like Natalie Portman in there that'll come out, and then you have people at the peak of their game, like uh, I mean Pierce Brosnan at the time. I mean he was he was Bond. You have Jack Nicholson in two always parts. Big, yeah, Jack Nicholson in two parts. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't keep him just to one part. He's so damn good. I mean you yeah you've got a perfect mix of everything here. But do they do they balance it well? That's that's certainly a question to answer on this week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. Let's uh, let's just start digging in here. When, when the movie opens, we're told we're four miles outside of Lockjaw, Kentucky, and there's that's a right. most movies should need to start there. By the way, some uh, yes. some sort of proximity of out of Lockjaw, Kentucky. <laughs> in Lockjaw, there's a, a Filipino man taking out the trash, and a farmer that comes by and smells something. He's like, "Hey, you're cooking up a feast," but he's not. And then we see a herd of burning cattle run by. A flying saucer lifts off and flies into space. And then we see many UFOs approaching Earth as the, the credits with all those cast members begin to roll. So, so right away, <laughs> this movie, I, I, I have a story <laughs> because this it movie, the movie, I feel like it's supposed to be like funny that this thing happened right at the beginning of the movie, but I feel like it's decidedly not funny because it does involve flaming cattle running by a family who was <laughs> <Yes>! horrified. <laughs> but so I saw, I saw this movie a couple times because so back in the nineties, my mom and I, we, we both loved Tim Burton. Like I, I've said many times on my, my show, uh, bat watching bat 89 Batman is my first like memory as like a, you know, a person that's the earliest memory i have in my life seeing that movie in a theater and so and and since that point my mom and i we went to like every tim burton movie that was like a thing that we all did and we saw we were excited for mars attacks like it's a new tim burton movie why wouldn't we be excited and so i saw with her and we had like a blast because that's you know that's the kind of thing we enjoy my mom really likes b horror movies for sure but i saw it again with my best friend at the time jimmy and his mom and he, he's more, he's not, I wouldn't say sensitive, but he's certainly like, he's less exposed to like, at that, you know, because we're like, what, 96, so 10, 11 years old. He's like, he was less exposed to movies that are like kind of PG-13 and above. And so we saw this movie with him and his mom, and he was like horrified by this movie. Throughout. There, was no, there was no like laughter or getting in on the irony or whatnot. Not that I was like super advanced for my age as far as like getting every single joke in Mars Attacks, but I was certainly kind of on board for what they're trying to do. He was not of that nature. And just like right away, I feel like he was already like out of it just from this opening scene. <laughs> well, I mean, even later, this movie's like kind of blunt with what oh, yes. it does, but it's trying to be funny about it, but it is pretty horrifying. Like the it's- only reason it's PG-13 is because, well, not the only reason, but there's no blood in it. If there was blood in it, and there should be because it's a freaking horror show because hundreds of people die in it. You know, that's the only reason. Oh, 
keep saying the only reason. It's one of the reasons. It's PG-13. We go to the White House where President Dale, played by Jack Nicholson, is looking at photos with Jerry, his the PR guy, and the generals about the UFOs and trying to figure out what to tell the people. And there in the corner is Professor Donald Kessler, played by the suavest man, Pierce Brosnan, who says all this invasion is a good thing. In the other room, the First Lady and daughter they're going through clothes in there and we're just basically getting introduced to them a lot of this opening is like hey we have a lot of characters to get you through so just here's some bs scenes i think the first half hour of the movie is just look at look at all these people that are in our movie but but you know what they're all giving it their a game like yes no everybody no one's slumming in this movie (laughs) no not at all yeah. No one's well. No one's that tired because they're not on the set that long. Because there's so many people in this movie. Right. No well, one like, has that much screen like, time. Some this of them. Like, some of them will interact with one another. Some of them may have purpose. Pierce, some like, of them may just be there. Like like Pierce Brosnan. He's like he's maybe like the most charming character in this entire film. Oh, I loved him in this movie. But he's like he's having like a ball doing this, and like he's 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 but he's like trying, like he's he's playing this role. He he seems he seems like one of like I think I feel like we should like eventually get into this list of like who gets it and who doesn't. But Pierce Brosnan seems to like get it. He seems like in on what this movie is and like what he's trying to do. Speaking of that, we moved to Vegas and uh, Byron Williams, my my hero of the film. Played by Jim Brown, he's a former fighter, and he dresses up like a pharaoh in Vegas at a hotel, just you know, for money to take yeah, pictures so he, with people. He has a job; he's not like mentally damaged or anything like that. It's like for what he's doing, does he have to be dressed up like a pharaoh? Like, should they just yes. put him in his boxing outfit? You know, that sounds ridiculous, Brandon. What are you yes. talking about? <laughs> well, <laughs> Colin, Colin, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Who, who is the heart of this movie? Oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can answer that. Who do you know? Who would you? There's you know, there's a couple characters here. Who would you say is the heart of this movie? Uh, the the heart of this movie is uh, Jack Nicholson's other character. That's what I would say. <laughs> he embodies everything that this movie is. Just, I, I, just ridiculous. I, I feel like some would answer it by saying Lucas Haas. And yep. that's wrong. That's not. Yep. It's incorrect. <laughs> He's always going against his family. He's that's not. That's not how you do it. Jim Brown is the heart of this movie. Like he's, he's he's not great. just the hero. He's a he's a working man. He's trying to provide for his family, and he wants to do anything to protect him at all costs. He is he is the heart and soul of Mars Attacks. He and, is the nicest, probably most redeemable character in the movie because yeah. this this really is just a. Uh, just a parade of just awful people. There's a few people that are, you know, ex- either awful or stupid. Yes, and, awful and morons. Yeah, and he's yeah, competent. He's, yeah, he's the only one that isn't stupid. He is selfless, yes. generous, family fa- man, family man. Any good thing that you could say about a person, I guess that's really what he is. So I guess he is the heart. I think you've corrected me. Yeah, and the cool thing, like, back in the 70s, like, Jim Brown, yeah, he's not a versatile actor or anything, but, like, he did what he did, and he did it well, and it feel like Burton channeled, got him to channel back to that for this movie. Yeah. He's probably better at acting in this movie than any of the movies in his heyday, but maybe it's because he has less screen time or a better director. I don't yeah, he's know. pretty good, he's and I'm going to get yeah. I'm gonna get you, sucker. He's pretty good there. Slaughter. He was well, great well, Slaughter. Good and... <laughs> but he, he feels... <sighs> Yeah, he's channels that, but with like a lot of other Jim Brown, there's a humbleness to him rather than a cockiness that he used to have, mm-hmm. which makes him like incredibly likable in this movie. But he gets he gets a call from his wife, who's Pam Greer. So I'm happy. 
Love Pram Greer. There's his ex-wife, actually, and their boys haven't come home in a while. And he mentions that he's going to go to Washington. And then over in the other part of the casino, we meet Art and Barbara Land, who sit just drinking, arguing about this plan that the guy has. And... Do you have to drink in front of me? You're an adult. Just cold. Doesn't help me that all we ever do is sit around in bars. Hey, this is work, baby, okay? I'm checking the decor, the lighting, the traffic flow. If I'd known you were going to turn into a crook, I never would have married you. I'm not a crook. I'm ambitious. There's a difference. And if you think that you can make a nickel in this town without knowing how to dally around a few curves, well... You don't know doodly squat about the gaming industry. Art is also played by Jack Nicholson. <laughs> he was amazing. Who Tim Burton goes... had watched Beetlejuice in preparation for this movie. <laughs> it is. It, he really does feel like Beetlejuice's uncle in this movie. Or it's like if, if, if Beetlejuice was based off of somebody. It was, yeah. It was, it was like... Art Land. <laughs> yeah. It's really, you don't get it at first. It takes a couple scenes. And you're like, oh my gosh! Yeah, and they even sound al- they sound alike, and there's it almost makes you feel like there's no difference between Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Yeah, kind of, and I it mean, makes it Batman be- look even more genius for like the duality between those two guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, apparently, Michael Michael Keaton was thought of for that role. He would have been he would have been perfect because again, would have, it would have fit right in. He played yeah, it, but he played the role already. Yes. Yeah, it's it's Beetlejuice with a cowboy hat. It's yes. perfect. And when I talk about people having a purpose in this movie, remind me when we get back later about Art and Barbara Land. <laughs> There's quite a few people we need to talk about. So since we're traveling the country, we'll now head to New York, where uh, TV personalities Natalie Lake and Jason Stone discuss the president cutting into her program. And the president does do that. He makes his announcement, which looks like the Joker scene when yes. he interrupts television <laughs> in Batman. Like, he's sitting in the exact same position, saying it the same way. Like, wow. I was. It would just be great if he just, like, pushed, like, uh, today in fashion. That's what I was expecting. Yes. It was, that's, yeah. Oh. I, by, by the way, I like that, uh, what's her, Natalie Lake's show, the Today in Fashion. I like that Pierce Brosnan's character, this is like a show that he's obsessed with, apparently. The, Professor Donald Kessler's like, right. I can't wait to watch Natalie Lake on Today in Fashion. <laughs> well, he's a nicely dressed man, so maybe he does. Watch. He's like, I wonder what. I wonder if the fat pump is back in style. I can't wait to find out. Tell me more today in fashion. Also, Michael J. Fox, good guy, career-minded, cares about his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Are they married? I couldn't under... I I, I think they were together. I don't know if they were husband and wife, but... They're they're, definitely involved, yeah. But they're both jealous of each other's shows and fame. Since we're trying to get to all 50 states here in this movie, (laughs) in in Kansas, a boy named Richie Norris watches... The president's address, and he works at a donut place. Workinsville, Kansas. Everyone in Vegas also stops in his tracks to watch, and um, including Rude Gambler, played by Danny DeVito. Yes, Rude Gambler, Danny DeVito. <laughs> is that the, please tell He's me that's in the this movie. Name. Yeah, that's his name is R. Ood Gambler. That's that's yep. the. Uh... <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Barbara Barbara Land is in the pool and thinks the aliens coming is great. And then we go back to New York where Natalie gets a call that she's going to interview Professor Kessler, who's a big fan of the show, as we mentioned. And then in Kansas, like this movie jumps. Boom, 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 boom. So if our run here is like frantic, it's because yeah. the movie is. There's a lot going on. Well, like I said, like the first half We're hour like, of this movie is just nothing but like, here's a character and here's a character. It's like and two, here's minute, a character. two minute well, scenes. I mean, yeah. 
like Independence Day is kind of similar when you think about it. Well, but that's out, what I know. was thinking. Like this is like the satirical Independence Day, which it kind it of felt is. like they just yeah. they happen to be being made around the same time. So it's not like one was trying to ape the other, but there is certainly you know coming out in the same year. You kind of get that feeling when you look. And they at kind of sold mm-hmm. this one like it could have been that because oh, I for think sure. Independence Day had already hit big, and then. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at this. It's it's like, uh, you know, a Leslie Nielsen movie, but with, you know, Independence Day, right? No, not even close. But um, yeah, it, it oddly feels like that. Back to Kansas. Richie's family is a bunch of hicks. This is what we get here. This is uh, one of the reasons I wanted to see this movie, because I knew Joe Don Baker was in this movie. And you're and a I... walking tall fan? <laughs> Well, Mitchell, uh, watch, watch, watch. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm a I'm a huge watching Joe Don Baker fail fan because of this. <laughs> and w- so I knew he's gonna be in this movie, and I thought, man, there's I know he's gotta die in this movie. I want to see Joe Don Baker die. Honestly, that was one of the main points for me to see this movie because like okay. Mitchell's one of my favorite Mystery Science Theater episodes, and to ah. see that that fat sweaty hack. <laughs> eat it in a movie i was totally for i couldn't wait this is the the middle chapter of the pierce brosnan and joe don baker trilogy as well <laughs> yes it is so we meet his family and he's got a brother played by jack black as well whose Michelle- girlfriend is christina applegate who you, has you a line it. or two in this movie yeah you, you wouldn't know it if you didn't pay attention but she's got a sex scene <laughs> also so- it was nice to see a uh, jack black not be like a uh, like overweight like i looked at him I was like oh that's yeah, right he's really skinny. He's yeah really yeah uh, he's i mean he's not like he's not ripped but he looks like at least more fit than he was and it was just this is a or that he uh, it's nice it's pre i still know what you did last summer jack black yeah pre-dreadlocks yeah pre-dreadlocks <laughs> yes but it's, it's post airborne yeah <laughs> <laughs> well in washington louise williams pam greer is driving the bus and finds her boys in an arcade Kids, that's where people used to go to congregate and play video games. <laughs> so she finds the kids, scolds them. One's Ray J, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, yep. when, I, when I watched it, I, I, this time, I was like, why do I know that person? And then I was like, oh, my God, I've seen you naked. I can't believe Ray J's in this movie. Even though it was like on video, not like in person. I mean, yeah. it's okay. Meanwhile in Washington, Jerry Ross, the president's PR person, played by Martin Short, picks up hookers on the street. <laughs> Is he wearing a wig? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's hair's like he's young enough and he has hair. He's Martin's always had hey, Martin Sheen. Martin Shorts. Martin Sheen's in this movie. Again. Martin Martin Shorts. <laughs> he could be. Who knows? He's he's always had hair, but the, like his hair seems so like impossibly tall in this movie that it's hard for me to quite know if he if this is real hair here. I didn't think not, anything of it. No. I, it. I just oh, yeah. I watching it on Blu-ray. I was like, hmm. I, can, I feel like I could see a wig line if that is a wig line, but I'm not quite sure. I think it's a wig too. It it looks unusually high it's high and like very kind of like stranded out this is a very important topic we need to really solve oh yeah yeah. (laughs) stop with this hair right (laughs) i'm sure that's what someone i was i was into this movie and then his hair i just could it's a bad movie his hair just didn't look right uh (laughs) anyways uh in vegas byron asks his boss for a raise he gets laughed at and a bunch of better known boxers would be cheaper to get for the pharaoh walks around take picture job very important because yes. if he takes the phone call the boss is just right on his ass right away just be like get off the phone you got more pictures to take for people uh, natalie interviews kessler and they have some chemistry flirting and kessler tells her that he believes the martians were hiding under the surfaces of the planet through the canals 
and Martian canals. Yes. yes. And that's when the TV stations go to static, and a Martian appears on the TV and starts talking. Ah, 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 ah. Perfect. Ah. Right, right as the TV's fading out, like you see Pierce Brosnan put his hand on on Sarah Jessica Parker's knee, and like Mar- Mar- uh, Michael J. Fox just like quicks, like he just got the feel. Like, he's just yeah, yeah. It's, just got the feel. <laughs> it's this throwaway thing, but it's yeah, really it's funny. Really funny. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like he's. Kessler gives a brief on his theories about the Martian anatomy. He believes that they are peaceful and enlightened. And uh, the next guy comes in to the president's office, has a translator for the message that Martian Which somehow, had. It, it somehow works. I somehow, mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just happens to figure out a way to have a translator. In a box. Uh, and then there's a church in Vegas where Barbara is speaking at an AA meeting and talks about her optimism regarding the Martians. Barbara, who I can't wait to explain her importance to this movie later. <laughs> and in Kansas, Richie and his family see his older brother off to the military because they want to, you know, kill some Martians. And Richie takes his grandmother home to the old people's home, which no one seems to care about grandma but Richie. So the president has a press conference. Then Artland gives Byron a ride and offers him a job to punch a guy for two grand. That happens. He doesn't, he doesn't do that kind of work anymore, though. Doesn't happen. That's uh, why he and his wife are gotten a divorce to begin with. The a- <laughs> aliens send coordinates to the military, and Kessler and the general get in an argument about how to approach their landing. Uh, the military are sent to greet the Martians out in the desert, and a lot of our characters come to stand by in the desert and greet the Martians. Which seems a bit odd, because the Martians send the coordinates... The military intercepted or whatever, and that's fine. But there's a huge group of just people in the desert. How the hell did they get this information? And like, they they need the fashion correspondent there. They're <laughs> they're all on the um, on the on the on the 1996 interwebs uh, looking at the uh, yes the uh, that that giant post. Hey, Martian meetup happening this this Saturday in the desert. Well, well like uh, what's her name? The uh, the the woman that you keep saying will discuss her role Barbara, in this movie. Barbara yeah. Barbara Land. Yeah. Like like she's out there and it's like of all the people that are supposed to be at this thing, why the hell is she there? It's it's near Vegas. She's you know, that's because they're <laughs> she, peaceful. But we, we haven't talked at all about Rod Steiger yet, by the way, who's no. been in several of these scenes. <laughs> His his bravado as like gen- general who just needs to nuke everything. Yes. like it is so like wonderful. It's great, <laughs> like, so it, mm-hmm. over the top and perfect for like the attitudes of this movie because you have Pierce Brosnan who's the the exact opposite of Rob St- Rod Steiger's character, <laughs> but like he's completely committed. He's like and Rod Steiger at this time what is he probably like it is like seventies at the time this movie was made. He's uh, like yeah. he's yelling up a storm. He's great. He's great. It's like, it's like General MacArthur just like cranked all the way up to twenty. It's yes. preposterous. Yeah, when I mean I love the and the president's journey in this is like wavering, like he starts at one side, you can just see him start dipping down, dipping down to to Steiger's level. Like it's pretty... no, he's very political when it when it starts, and he continues on that way, and eventually he just gets broken down into mush, like, I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> the UFO lands, and the Martian ambassador walks out. The Martians say, we come in peace. Guy lets a dove go, and I thought this was funny enough without what happens next. We come in peace. He brought a dove. 
<laughs> yeah! This damn thing was like, well, if something good happens, I'm going to release this. Just in case. Let me bring my peace dove with me. Just, I, 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 I take it he's everywhere. I assume he's part of the company that rides around of John Woo and just releases doves at random during action sequences. <laughs> right. That's right. Were you getting out of a, a limo? Hang on, let me get the smoke machine out. <laughs> so, and then the Martians blast it down and incinerate the uh, the general they've set to greet, which is Paul Winfield. Paul yeah. Winfield, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a ton of things. He's in there. He's our Colin Another Powell name to the damn list. Yeah he's, yeah, he's the movie's Colin Powell, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so then a battle breaks out. Between the aliens and then our like retro 1950s military. Yeah. And during this battle, Jack Black gets it, and, and Jack, Mike, Jack Mike Black tries to make a heroic stand by like right. charging at the aliens. <laughs> but then like the gun magazine falls out, and then he. Imme- I love that he immediately grabs the flag and says, "I surrender." <laughs> Iced. We, we talked over Jack Black's introduction where, like, he's, like, blindfolded, like, trying to put a rifle back together, and Joe Don Baker stops the clock and is like, one minute 53, as if, like, that's what he proud of. Like, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's, like, a joke that's, like, planted for later that you don't even realize is going to happen. It pays uh, off, like, right there. It's so great. But I do, God, that... I do love the ah surrender <laughs> just just immediately. <laughs> Fucking cowards, great. And then Michael J. Fox also gets it during this, which in a very like Michael. So Michael J. Fox, like he sees uh, Sarah Jessica Parker fall off like her TV van, so he jumps off his van, and then he does all his own stunts barely because he runs across this crowded field yeah. where there's like explosions happening, cars yeah. driving by, bodies falling in front of him, and he's like jumping and stuff. He's like really animated for Michael J. Fox, like post yeah. Back to the Future. It's awesome. Really and he's crawling yeah. on the dirt, and that I remember this. The, this whole scene's very like as fun as it is to a point. It's also very dark because you yeah. kill like a bunch of characters that you're like, they may not have been likable, but you're like, no, those people are are not alive anymore. At this point. yeah, and they are incinerating like, these people, and it's not like just like poof, they're gone. There are skeletons <laughs> being left in all, the dust. All, I like that Jack Nicholson and Glenn Close. They're like watching it like at home on a TV with TV trays in front of them on a couch. Like yes. That, that, mm-hmm. That made me laugh a lot. It's brutal, like, when they get in stereo. Luckily, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, some of the the CG in this movie is, you know, it's 90s. We were figuring out CGI at the time. It's not bad. bad. I mean, mean, the movie is so, it's it's so purposely exaggerated that it doesn't bother me. Yeah, no, yeah. I, like I, I, I really like the look of the ships. It's very simple. It's very, right. very you know, fifties and sixties. It's it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I love because it. of what they're going. Yeah, but, no, I'm not saying like it's it's bad. I'm saying because of what they're going. It's a little more obvious, and I think some of the incinerating comes off a, enough cartoonish because the CGI wasn't mm-hmm. so perfect back then that it's not as like brutal as it could have been had they done but, it. When well, do CGI you know how Martian weapons like, work, Brandon? Maybe they <laughs> they just. Make happy well, I, dark grizzly skeletons. Well, I think that's <laughs> something that Burton was very aware of, which is, you know, why I think, as you mentioned, he, or I think we mentioned off there, but he wanted to do stop motion for the yeah. Martians originally. I think it's, he's very aware of the kind of the time he's in and what he's capable of doing with visuals. And I, I think he, he, you know, looking at the design of these Martians and just how it looked, like obviously, yes, the incineration, you know, it's never going to seem real, but I think yeah. there's a, Watching, I mean, I just watched this movie yesterday. You know, this is uh, tw- literally twenty years later. After so, Mars Attacks Two is gearing up, I guess, right? It's coming right. out. Surprise release at the end of the year. <laughs> but, um, you know, double these, bill with Independence Day. With all these legacy sequels coming out, I feel like as well do more, more Mars Attacks. But like, I feel like he, he, it has a, you know, just like I described the style of the movie in general. It's very timeless as far as what, as opposed to a movie that's trying to be ambitious.
ambitious for its time. This is a movie that it it knows what it's trying to do, so it doesn't have to impress you very much. But yeah. the, one of the good things too about it is, you know, there's the oh, it could have been stop motion, but it really doesn't feel like oh, it could have been because the CG they have here gives you enough that I mean, I don't think it'd be that different. Like yeah, it, no, I'd be like, I'm glad there. it wasn't stop motion. Yeah, I'm glad I, it was. Like CG. as much as I as much as I like Harryhausen, like I feel like that's just a lot of time wasted by people to make these movie if it was going to yes. be stop motion. Yeah, it would and it would have been ambitious stop motion for even the '90s. Like it's just it's because yeah. it'd be a lot. It'd be it's like right. that's a, there's a lot of activity yeah. happening. In this movie would have been overhyped because of years and years of production waiting for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that would be hell for everyone involved, and you wouldn't. I don't. I, I like the look of the the aliens, and they've got like the. I don't want to call them tentacles. I don't know what the heck you'd call them. Like the little pieces of skin hanging off their oh, face yeah, or yeah. their teeth. You wouldn't get that with stop motion, or if you that's did, like, it would yeah, be. They're... Painstakingly yeah, they're, irritating. They're they're jowls. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're jowls. jowls hang, yeah, yeah they're, or they're they're floppy mandibles, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right. well, oh, and the but the and the sound design around, like you mentioned, the ships. The sound design. Oh my is gosh! Great in this movie. There's so oh, much yeah. ther- so much theremin in this movie. <laughs> this movie was <laughs> just the right amount. This movie theremin. was booming. I I watch. I have a uh, it was a standard def digital copy I got for free when I signed up for some streaming service so columbia I, house I, I yeah <laughs> it was bmg um but i i picked you know i had mars attack so i watched that and it was i mean the sound phenomenal like and it was the, standard def sound too and i was just like holy crap it feels like all of the sound effects and music that were left over from ed wood were put into this movie and that's not a bad thing because yeah, i had a lot, a lot well, of i mean they're both around they're both evoking the same era that they want so I, I, I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like if you, if you like that music and that tone, a lot of that feel is copied over in this movie. So it's yeah, great. yeah, you're right. It's a natural like progression from Ed Wood to to Mars Attacks. It feels yeah. Oh, that's the next step. I didn't think of that. That's that's pretty yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty damn good. smart. Pretty damn smart. Um, Danny Elfman's certainly helping too. Like he's he's oh, trying yeah. this movie. Well, yeah, absolutely. Before him and Bur- him and Burton would go on cruise control, but um, <laughs> it would yeah, it would it wouldn't be until when would it be? It's not Sleepy Hollow. It's it's, it's a great score in Sleepy Hollow. It's yeah. not it's not Big Fish. So mm-hmm. I don't know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yep. Well, this is definitely where we start seeing the cracks in in Burton's um, abilities. <laughs> this movie, anyway. Uh, uh, Natalie, during this is taken aboard the UFO as the Martians leave, and then Kessler and the pres- tells the president that he doesn't need to act rash, and there may be a miscommunication. <laughs> so the pres- president records a message to broadcast to the Martians about a cultural misunderstanding, and the Martians receive the message and laugh it off, and Natalie's in some like cage-like thing with her dog, and one of the Martians looks devious at her. And then we, we cut to Art trying to figure out a way to make a hotel for Martians or to capitalize on this whole thing. Barbara then thinks maybe the human race should be destroyed. <laughs> we unfortunately never got that unfortunate that spin-off uh, hotel for Martians. Hotel, yeah. <laughs> we go back to Kessler who does an autopsy on a Martian. And then back on the ship, the Martians have Natalie's head in a jar and her dog's head's on her body. Which is, this is horrifying, right? This is like a horrifying <laughs> yeah. thing. It should be, yes. <laughs> but there's so much crazy shit in this movie. You're just like, okay, what what else you got? Or, or, or maybe it's just so comical to see Sarah Jessica Parker's head on a tiny chihuahua's body. 
Mm-hmm. And she was apparently game for this movie. Well, she saw, she's joined this cast like without reading the script. She's like, yes, I want to do this. So like she was in for this. You got how many people to be in this? <laughs> yeah, I'd have to be a jerk not to be there. I'd have to be a Johnny Depp to turn this down. <laughs> no, like I, I feel like the 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 head stuff is kind of like Burton playing with new technology too. Oh yeah, like definitely mm-hmm. like trying to see what he you know push push some limits to what he can do and see if, see what he can pull off. Jack Black's character has a funeral. There we go to for a bit. Byron, he calls his wife again, says he's still coming to visit, and he gets to talk to his kids on the phone, and they tell him they have a field trip to the White House because, you know, you never think something might happen with that, huh? And- well, yeah, like, like uh, he, he says he's on his way to D.C. I just thought, like, wouldn't planes be grounded? There are Martian spacecrafts literally just above the Earth. Don't you think someone would be, would be concerned? Uh, Maybe you, we you should sound, stop this. You sound ridiculous. Of course they wouldn't do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, they've, they've flown thousands of miles to come here. Certainly they won't screw anything up or come down or do anything else. It's fine. Go ahead and fly. I like when um when um, Pam Greer finds her kids. By the way, she like finds them at an arcade, which will come in, which will come into play later. Of course, <laughs> she like gives them a huge talking to, and she's like a bus driver, and she puts them like she says like go sit down, and like everyone on the bus applauds for her for being a good mother. Yeah, that, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many. There's so much great like as as like weird and kind of bad this movie is. There's so many great like little character throwaway moments that I just absolutely love about it. Like you know, did he cop a feel? Another great. Yeah. yeah, it's just little it's things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kessler then receives an apology message from the Martians, and the ambassador wants to speak to Congress. So the Martian ambassador returns, and he goes to Congress and starts We're- reading something, and then incinerates the room. <laughs> and during this, Kessler gets knocked out, taken hostage ab- aboard the UFO. <laughs> So we then go to the war room where the president urges they take charge, and the general, Rod Steiger, of course, wants to use nuclear deterrence, but the president gets furious at him and rejects it. He wants he wants the people to be assured life will go back to normal, and he, he says the, the, the trailer yep, quote trailer of... Uh, I want the people to know that they still have two out of three branches of the government working for them, and that ain't bad. <laughs> Which I, I still think that light's great. Uh, no, that's I was gonna say that like when this scene happens, I get excited because yep. <laughs> I know that line's coming up, and it's it's such a funny line, and it's delivered. It's Nicholson, so yeah. Well. I, yeah, it's, if it's not Nicholson, I don't know who could deliver it that great. It's a perfect Nicholson delivery. It, it, that's like it's like why he's it's like why he's in this movie. To yeah, deliver exactly. Lines like that. <laughs> Yeah. Like the only other person would be Michael Keaton, but I would rather have Jack Nicholson deliver it. Uh, he addresses the nation, and Barbara Land is packing feverishly back in Vegas because she's important. <laughs> yeah, when I I think I just like wrote down I just wrote down Barbara packs because whatever who gives who cares? Yes, <laughs> the Martians mock the president's dress, and Kessler's head's detached, and Natalie's head is now on her dog's body. Which has some adorable scenes between the two. A floating head and a woman's head on a chihuahua. 
watching this last night because like I was in I was on board when I saw this back in the day watching it last night I was like this is such a horrific situation because they're basically they're not alive anymore they're just like all they have left is their heads for the time being but Brosnan's delivering lines like I used to have a schoolboy crush on you and stuff it's like one thing how old are you and how old is she where you had a schoolboy crush right (laughs) and like you're like flirting with her now even though you've lost all of your body and you're just a head on a ship of a Martian like um well, you can see like, like like blood dripping out of his yeah. neck. Yes, yes, yeah. It's not like they made some fancy way to preserve his head. It's just literally the head's been chopped off and it's like attached to something that's making him talk still, but blood's coming off of him. <laughs> and it's just such a like I didn't notice it before. Like I watched it, you know, yesterday. There's that slow drip that comes out of his neck. Like, good yes. God, that's grim. Yeah, it's that little detail that makes it all the less charming. It's like. <laughs> It'd be fine if that blood wasn't dripping, but then there's like, oh yeah, that's the line, Tim Burton. An eerie woman shows up at the Washington Monument, and guess who pulls over to try to pick her up? It's Jerry, the eerie woman played by Lisa Marie. He One takes of her finest her, hours. Yes, he takes her to the White House, and she has like an eyeball like ring that's like a camera for the Martians to see aboard their ship what's going on, and Jerry takes her to the Kennedy Room to put the moves on her, and then she bites his finger off, and part of her face rips, and she clocks him and uh, as he calls for help. So she moves to the president's bedroom, takes off the mask to reveal, oh, it's a Martian surprise, right? Surprise? <laughs> well, I mean, you yeah, see we... the ring at that point. Like, you already yeah. know. Well, well, yeah, the, yeah. Well, the, the eerie the way she, she walks, moves. Well, yeah, the, way, so you, the second you she know, walks out. Yeah, you know something is off because the walk, she doesn't walk so much as she glides. Did she do that, like that walk, or was she like being pulled on something? Because if she did that, that's great. I'd like to think that she's that talented. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, but, uh, like, like her arm movement is also, it's great. It's, you know, clearly someone trying to impersonate the walk of a human that does not understand how human beings operate. It's great. Yeah. It's also, you know, theremin is always uh, on her as she moves. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, clear, cl- like, clearly, it's, it's you're never supposed to think anything about this in terms yeah. of legitimacy. That yeah. effect of, like, when her face rips, when he, when he rips the, tries to rip the gum out of her mouth and, mm-hmm. like, her, it rips her face. I, is that, I guess that's, that has to be makeup, right? Uh, like just, I thought they it was actually, CG. They actually ripped her face off for this. She's not really <laughs> committed to the movie. She's actually Martian. I thought uh, it was CG. <laughs> You thought it was CG? Yeah, I thought I, it was I feel CG. like it might have been enhanced by CG, I guess. It's just, it's a really, it looks really good. Like, it's a very good looking kind of moment there. It's and... very, I, I figure it was CG because it doesn't, because she's got a pretty, she's got a really thin face. So I think yes. you would kind of notice if there's a prosthetic on there. So I, it was very flush and flat with her face. Like, I, I, I felt like it was sort of in an impeccable fashion where I don't, I don't think it was a prosthetic. I think it was fully CG. Uh, that character is like one of my uh, one of the highlights of the movie for me. I th- I think it's just a really I think it's really well done. It's just bizarre, but it's supposed to be bizarre. I it's think like that... super Tim Burton too. It's like yeah, like mm-hmm. one of like you know like when you think of like all Tim Burton characters, like she'd come up there and one of like you know all timers, even though it's a short bit, but that's like I agree. Perfect. Like you know she's on the poster and she's in a scene but i think it was i don't know that it, part works it, it of course gets to dive into martin short's love of picking up prostitutes in washington dc as well so yes. yes well the dog barks at her and she incinerates the dog and there's a there's a scuffle 
and the president gets held at gunpoint by the Martian, and there's a point where uh, the Martian gets distracted by vaporizing a bird, so that allows the Secret Service guys <laughs> to gun down the Martian, and when the president kind of gets free, and the Martians then up on the ship begin get they get angry and begin gearing up, and some of them and one of them gets in a giant robot. Martians what? hate birds, by the way. That, that seems I, to be my takeaway. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if they're just freaked out by him or they're just jealous that they're on Earth. I mean, who the heck knows? Oh, yeah, there's ne- there's never any motivation for these Martians, that's for sure. <laughs> if, if it moves, it dies. That seems to be their prerogative. The, the hero of this film, by the way, is as a Secret Service agent, uh, Mitch. Yes. Who, uh, mm-hmm. Played by Brian Haley, who I know best from Baby's Day Out, of course. Okay. But, um, but he he goes all he, he's protecting the daughter he's protecting the pre, he gives his life for the president like he and he's he's a stand mm-hmm. a stand up guy right and he, per, and he protects I, the tour group yes he's one of he he does he's one of the legit people that I'm like sad for when uh, when he gets vaporized in the movie yeah uh, mm-hmm. the, the saucers all fly to Earth and surround Washington D.C. and then during an autopsy it's revealed that the chewing gum the alien had is made up of nitrogen which allowed it to breathe in our atmosphere. And I, is, and I love when they give that to the, the scientist. He delivers it in such yes. a <laughs> atomic age way, right? Like, right. Exactly. Yes. That's so. So that's how they were able to breathe in our atmosphere. Like it's it's like you feel like that's gonna come back for some reason. It never does, but the way it's delivered is just <laughs> right. like it. It's like it feels like that should be an important. It's, it feels like we just found like the solution to the blob. Like that's the. It's like nope. Never, <laughs> no, it doesn't make any any shred of difference yeah. whatsoever. This movie. Uh, the UFO begins attacking and knocks. It shoots down the Washington Monument. There's a tour group right yeah. by it, and it falls. A Boy Scout, Boy and, they're, and they're running away from it because they think it's going to fall on them. So it goes out of its way to push it back so it can push it towards the Boy Scouts okay, again. Okay, that's what I was it's, doing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. perfect. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and instead of just shooting them like they do everyone right. else, like, no, let's be super dicks about because, this. No, because they're pranksters. That's like a huge part of this. They're, the Martians are huge pranksters. There's, there's that. Oh, yeah. There's like when they enter the like the the war room later on, where it's just like they use a snow globe and make them think it's like an explosive, and they just laugh at them when they when they inhale the nuclear device and like start talking in helium voice. It's just like they they they're like they're not just like vicious and evil; they're like huge dicks about it because they're like want to like prank everybody that they kill before it happens. Right. <laughs> they're like gremlins with like space. exactly exactly. There you go. Exactly, they're gremlins. They're they're just mischief makers that are very violent mischief makers. The Secret Service begins to evacuate the president, and they go to the one of my favorite parts. Glenn Close is going like, "Why can't we go this way?" And Secret Service, sorry, ma'am, there's a tour going through here. (laughs) And like everyone immediately understands and just keeps running down the hallway. But then in there, the tour guy gets vaporized, and there's mass panic during this White House invasion. The first lady ends up getting smashed by a chandelier during this. Like the Nancy crushed. Reagan chandelier. Yeah. Yes. She makes sure to point that out before she gets eviscerated by the chandelier. Right. Yeah, because she looks up and just goes, oh, the Nancy Reagan chandelier. And then it falls right on her. Like and- it smashes her. Like obviously it's like a du- it's like a dummy, but it's like just mm-hmm. watching the just watching crushed. it and seeing how like immediate it is, it's like, oh, it just crushes her. Like <laughs> if it was a Tarantino movie, the room would be sprayed with blood. <laughs> Byron's two kids, they end up picking up alien blasters and start taking it on themselves to give cover fire for the president. 
Rule of three, we saw them, we saw them play video games twice before, and now they're finally living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> they, they pick oh. up the guns, and then the president, like, he's still trying to, he's like, he's he's yelling out for Glenn Close because she just died. But the and the kids are looking, their kids are like shooting the aliens, and they're like, "What are you doing? Get that president out of here!" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in Vegas, Art Land is pitching the investment to buyers. <laughs> And the invasion starts beginning outside, and the Martians are blasting down his bit building. So there goes Art Land. The, the, that whole cover, like, the room's visibly shaking around, but he can't He's like, hold on, head. hold on. And this is his, like, super Beetlejuice scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rick, Rick so he does the cowboy dance. He goes, gentlemen, we cannot lose. And he seems to have, like, not just, like, an assembly of random business, but he seems like he's having, like, a U.N. council meeting here to do this, like, thing. Right. Yeah. Based off everyone that's in this room with him. We then cut to Tom Jones. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. It's not unusual to have fun with anyone. <laughs> yes. It's just like in the third act of the movie, and Tom Jones because is here now. Because why not? Uh, and it's so funny because it's just like him singing a little bit of the song. It's like, well, wait, where are all the other characters? Why are we watching Tom Jones sing right now? Because Byron's in Vegas, and he's calling his wife to tell her his flight got canceled. Hmm. And she's in, she's in panic at their apartment with the boys who had apparently done protecting the president and rushed home. <laughs> Well, school was let out, so what are you going to do? So then Barbara shows up. She finds Byron, and here we go. She has a plane. There's her (laughs) purpose in the the damn movie. She has a plane. Is her last name Ex Machina? Right. There you go. That's why we've been watching Barbara and apparently Artland. Uh, She wants to go to Tahoe. And then, while Tom Jones is performing, his backup singers are replaced by Martians when the lights come up. I think is funny. That that always makes me laugh every time. I do like that, too. They start shooting up the place. Tom Jones gets chased by the Martians, runs into Byron, and Barbara's there and Danny DeVito, and Tom Jones and Byron grab blasters, and the best part is, like, Tom Jones knows how to fly the plane. There's there's multiple things. That's good. (laughs) Well, I love when he runs up to all the other characters, like, there's a bunch of Martians back there. There's a Martian right behind me. That's what, yeah. (laughs) Um... The, just go with me on this, but you got you guys have done one of these movies on this podcast, uh, not one of the better ones. But when I listening to Tom, listening to Tom Jones and seeing how he talks and how he kind of handles himself, I feel like if they wanted to cast another Roger Moore type character for Bond, Tom Jones might have been able to pull it off. Well, he, he sang the song one time. Yeah, he did Thunderball. What if they pulled him in for being a Bond? What? Like just his, <laughs> his kind of general demeanor and like how he's like he probably he could have been like could have been like James Bond's brother in a movie. <laughs> yeah, just, just tagging along, tagging along for a mission. I can, yeah. I, mean, I I the time has passed for that too. Uh, yeah. Wait, he's, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, Tom Jones. I think he he's not in this movie that long, and he kills it while he's here. Like yeah, I enjoyed every does. bit of Tom Jones in this movie. Tom Jones is in this movie more than Danny DeVito. And Natalie Portman, because what and... happened? Where's she been? What happened Where... to Natalie Portman? Where's Mega... Taffy? Mega star Natalie Portman for, at this point in her time? Right. Yeah. She was uh she was the professional's Natalie Portman, I think. Heats Natalie Portman at that Heats point. Heats Natalie Portman. She was really concerned about her dad showing up. So we haven't been to Kansas in a while. Uh, it's being attacked, and the donut place is blown up by the UFOs. And Richie goes home where his the trailer park where his p- 
parents are loading up on the weaponry. And they ain't getting the TV. I thought that was like just the perfect line. Right. <laughs> like how high the stakes are and how stupid those people are that they wouldn't save the, like the $100 TV that they have. Uh, the president gets a call from the French ambassador who says the Martian ambassador's with him and he thinks they have a settlement, which quickly becomes a bloodbath. The which Vega- is kind of sad. When you're, li- you're listening to Jack Nicholson, who's like really down just at this point. He knows what's going to happen. His, mm-hmm. well, his wife just died, too. He's like at the like the lowest of low points. And like his what's, what's, what appeared to be at least like a friend, it seemed like a friend in the French president or French prime minister or whatever. <laughs> he just, he's like, oh, my, my friend's now just being just boiled alive, just like all the other people in that office from the Martians again. Right. You know, you know, he probably should be upset that he doesn't know where his daughter is because <laughs> we haven't seen her. Like, like, where could she be? She've had the best hiding spot of anyone in this movie, apparently. Yeah, no crap. The Vegas group, meanwhile, is escaping battle on the Strip. And then we go back and the general begs the president once more to deploy the nukes. So he signs off this time. They fire a nuke. The Martians just deploy a little ball thing that intercepts and sucks in the blast with to which a martian inhales it on the ship in front of the president and then uh big ben's destroyed mount rushmore's I, turned into I, martian faces taj mahal is blown up and other not, monuments are destroyed not, not just do the martians able to like inhale the nuclear explosion they're also able to, apparently they have like video streaming chat going because they, mm, they can see right. they, can, they can both see each other and see each other fail or see at least see the president fail at trying to defeat the martians uh the martians then watch godzilla and dukes of hazard which yeah. i think they're trying to make <laughs> us think that godzilla is actually out and about in the trailer the, the martian applegate's getting pounded she's getting banged in the trailer and the martians are watching and they end up you know i'm guessing blowing up the trailer and richie says he's gonna go get his grandma to which he leaves and the giant robot attacks the trailer park and takes Richie's home with the parents inside and to Cullen's glee smashes it into another trailer. I I clapped when Jodan Baker died. I was so excited. I'm just I'm just sorry I didn't get to see his chubby, gross, oily <laughs> face get crushed. That's my only regret with this movie. We go back to Vegas. Uh, the group's kind of lost, and Danny DeVito says, "Screw you guys!" Leaves them to go back to the hotel. So that would be safe, and then. Runs into a Martian. He gets blasted up. Then the Martian gets blasted by Barbara. And we swap back to Kansas. The old people's home's under attack. Grandma's about to get it when Richie shows up. And Grandma's headphones come off. And some yodeling playing very loudly uh, comes out of her record player. And the Martian's heads explode hearing it. Grandma's not about to just get it, by the way. They like pull in like a giant yeah, gun behind just, her. Yeah, she's, <laughs> yeah. she's I, going to be a splatter on the wall. I did like that because you see that enormous gun that they're actually like riding around in, you know, <laughs> a moment before. And then when the wall gets ripped off, you see like the Martian, like, you know, kind of motion his finger as like, hey, come here. I got an idea. They don't even <laughs> go that big for the president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This enormous gun that is going to vaporize this old woman just sitting minding her own business because they're bastards. So Space bastards. That's another good name for this movie. Or uh, any of them, really. Oh, oh yeah. That's yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Space, Space bastards. bastards. I'd watch that movie. Yeah, that'd be I mean, It's about too. Kurt Russell as his father, right? So, yeah. Right. Be... So, I don't know. Space bastards. Space bastards. <laughs> that'd be good. 
Let's just search it now at ID. Let's just search Space Bastards. Space see if it's already a movie that can be done on this show. <laughs> it's a board game. All right, moving on. Let's buy the web space for it. Uh, Martians, they bust in the war room, and the general comes out talking trash, guns blazing, and they shrink him and then stop on him. And the president is under fire. It's a great, it's a great like, but like three, like, so like you just said, the grandma, grandma gets like a giant gun pulled on her It for the war room that presumably should be like the most incredibly defense, uh, like held up with defenses. You have just three Martians walk in with like no, nothing really to defend themselves <laughs> except like their own like little weapons or whatnot. They just walk right in, shrink people, burn everything down and everything. <laughs> president gets, comes under fire hiding behind his rolling chair and uh, the C- our secret service guy uh, protects him say, using his own life and then the president gives a uniting speech to the Martians and the, the ambassador one cries they shake hands but the hand comes off and crawls around the president and stabs him through the back and a flag pops out of it Jack Nicholson has died twice in the movie he gives a he gives a passionate speech yeah yeah about uh, just like everyone joining forces and learning from each other and just to stop all this crazy violence it's one last final swipe at him being presidential because he you know he he'd been broken down for a while like this is my the last thing i can try to do is something beneficial and it doesn't matter Ultimately, no one's efforts matter in the movie, including the president. Well, the Mar- um, after this, Richie and Grandma flee, blasting the yodeling from his truck as Martians just keep exploding. Their, their heads keep exploding as they pass. The Vegas group finds the plane. Richie gets to a radio station, which can play more yodeling. And then Byron goes to open the hangar door, but the Martians are like, Matt and a mass group outside of a plane hangar and Byron says he's going to create a diversion so they can escape and as he goes up to the approaches the Martian group talk smack a weapon clown outfit me Byron Brennan heavyweight champion of the world puts his dukes up to fist fight as the plane takes off behind him and Byron decides to take on all the Martians, but they're too much for him, apparently. So they group on him, and then Pam Greer feels a great disturbance in the force this time. <laughs> it's it's a fun, not fun. It's a it's a weirdly poignant moment, but it makes like basically no sense given what happens in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like why why is why why? <laughs> Like, I, I get what they're going for, but it's like, all right, that didn't really actually do anything. No. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I love when he, he walks up to the aliens, and he's like, it's me, Byron Williams, the heavyweight champion, champion. of the world. Like, it's supposed to matter to them at all. I, I, it does. Apparently, the Martians take him up on it. They're like, all right, we'll take one of our scrawny underlings and fight you. Yeah. yeah I know. They all, have, they all have weapons that they've been, you know, using just blasting everything in sight but like with him no i'm gonna fist fight him you know why colin he's the he's the heart of this movie they can is the heart of the movie the aliens you're right the aliens want to beat the heart of the movie with their own uh hands you're right they they may be mischievous for everyone else but they see the honor in taking on the (laughs) heavyweight champion of the world (laughs) so you know maybe uh byron williams should have been the president of uh, the united states and maybe we would have stood a better chance. Well, in Mars Attacks 2, Space Bastards, they'll be sure to <laughs> <laughs> see what space happens. Bastards. I like that we now there's now Space Jail and Space Bastards. 
Mm-hmm. But of course, space jail only applies to one one movie. Space Bastards seems like that could go with anything now. Yeah, like, yeah. Space yeah. Bastards is just open, you know. It's like this is like this is like Electric Boogaloo territory. That 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 can go with anything. It could. I'd love to work uh, Space Bastards into Citizen Kane. I don't know <laughs> how yet, <laughs> but I think we can figure it out. The magnificent Space Bastards is following. <laughs> The yodeling plays all around the globe, killing the aliens, destroying UFOs. The UFO with Kessler and Natalie on it starts blowing up their heads, roll free, and then land on the ground next to each other as they say goodbye and embrace a kiss as the UFO they're in lands in the water. With, like, the music's supposed to make it seem very poignant, I guess, yes. that <laughs> takes place. Yeah. What, what I thought of uh, when this was happening, because they're showing, like, an overhead shot of uh, the spaceship, is like, oh, so I'm watching this island Earth now. That's right, really what yeah. it looks like, you know, like the 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 spaceship over the water catching fire before it crashes. That might have been, it, you know, what it might have been. I know he has some War of the Worlds nods to that yeah. film in here, and yeah, there's a, there's, there is that real feel in that in this movie too. That's what I thought. Yeah. The next morning, Barbara, Tom Jones, and Cindy, who we haven't mentioned at all, but she was with the Vegas group. She was someone who worked with Byron. Yeah, uh, yeah some. <laughs> Large-chested it, it, woman. It seems like someone they like they. It's like the one cast member they couldn't get was Salma Hayek, and so this is who they went with. Right. Yeah. 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 Looks a lot like her. They're. I think they're in Tahoe. Yeah, they're in Tahoe. Uh, yeah, and uh, that was her. That was her. That was um. And that so Bennings thing the whole time. Were, like, we'll go to Tahoe. Somewhere yeah. so cute. They, the Martians won't find it. And there's UFOs <laughs> floating on the water, and around the world, dead Martians are destroyed, and areas are being cleaned up. And a mariachi band plays while the president's daughter gives medals of honor to Richie and Grandma, just as she would Boss Nass a few years later. <laughs> uh, Richie then gives a speech. The daughter asks if he has a girlfriend after, because yeah, you know, we got to do that in the '90s. And they'll, Pam- they'll they'll soon be living in a teepee together. Yes, Pam- uh, yeah, yeah. I wanted one last Martian to jump up and shoot him after he said that about. We should live in uh, teepees instead of houses because there's a lot of advantages or, or whatever. It's kind I of wonder... surprising that a movie with a mean streak such as this didn't have a Martian jump up and shoot Richie at the end of the movie. Right. I would have I would have loved that because he was a he is a wiener and a half and not in a good way. It's like audiences probably already hated this movie. It's like why not make that happen? <laughs> it's like hooray that wiener's dead. But don't worry. Yeah, we can leave. This movie has multiple endings, and uh, that's clearly not my favorite. Pam Greer's cleaning her house with her boys, and Byron shows up at home. Yep. It's wonderful. Comes he's full de- circle. Comes he, st- he steps on a Martian head, goose squeezes out, and he's like, all right, come back. Yes. I want to know what his night was like. Because he was in Vegas, and now he's in Washington, D.C. How the hell did he get there so quick? It'll all be explained in the flashback opening to Mars Attacks 2, Space Bastards. (laughs) Tom Jones, meanwhile, is uh, hanging out with a deer and an eagle lands on his arm. And it's not unusual begins. And this is the perfect time to just call it quits and have the credits roll. I know. Like, he's not that he sings it. Like, the music just comes up and he just kind of starts swinging and snapping his fingers. Like, yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> and then it's like credits. You know, it's it's, it's almost like they were joking around and just like filmed that. And then they're later in the movie like, how do we end this? So like Burton's like, do we still got that footage of Tom Jones with the animals? <laughs> let's just do it there. No, I, it's, I know it sounds stupid, but let's just do it there. It's like if someone in high school made this movie like, I know how we end it, dudes. This will be awesome. And they're not wrong. I mean, that's the <laughs> ending to this movie. Thank you, Tom Jones. This movie has a huge cast, and 
on top of that, I mean, it's got even more characters, and I, I feel like it has a hard time managing them a lot of the yeah. time. Like, and because the movie, there's not like a cohesive story. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens to people for a while, and it gets exhausting after after a bit with so many, or not getting to hang with the ones you want to be seeing more of. It's well, the, yeah. the movie has a is a strange kind of mean streak. So like, you end up actually killing a lot of these characters. And spending a lot, you know, these, a lot of the third act is just Martians destroying stuff and being pranksters the whole time. And so mm-hmm. you really don't attach yourself to a lot of stuff happening because there's not much character work being done. Not right. that Mars Attacks needs, you know, an ample amount of character work. Yeah. But we've already, like, we've kind of, it kind of, you know, spends a lot of energy, make, you know, murdering a lot of the characters. So there's, like, there's no one really left besides, you know, Lucas Haas, the wiener. And just like <laughs> random side characters that that don't really add much to it, you know, from the from the beginning, from the get go. Like we don't need Barbara in Artland at all. We need Artland. More, yeah, more <laughs> Jack Nicholson's not a bad thing. Right, it's know. not a bad <laughs> thing, but we we need to laugh in this satire because the the jokes in this movie not as many as there should be. So we need him. Yeah, I just yeah, I just felt like there was. I mean, some people could have been blended together. I don't know. I, I felt like the movie had a hard time. And this was a time, like, I feel like after this in the OOs, we'd get a lot more, like, you know, ensemble, just, like, movies where you have a bunch of characters in places that may not interact with each other, may not mix and mingle. And during this time, Tarantino was the one kind of figuring it out and doing it well with big casts and lots of characters. Well, and I mean, like, Emmerich was kind of doing I mean, with his disaster, like, you know, this. and mm-hmm. Yeah, he had that, yeah. But, I, but but those character that worked a lot better because it seemed I don't know like every character seemed to have some kind of purpose, whereas this you've got oh yeah I'm I'm agreeing yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with you guys yeah obviously the cast yeah, yeah. is not everyone's essential here and I would just say that yeah there are other examples of, of ensemble casts in these kind of yeah big in, in scale this, movies yeah. in the same year as this one and they did it correctly yeah who 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 do you think is the most useless character that just uh, doesn't need to be in this movie at all huh, i'd see. say I, I, as much as I, I didn't like barbara at all I, I, natalie portman really doesn't bring anything here like i i like natalie portman a lot but like you could have had someone else s- survive the white house thing to give them medals i think like, it's something somewhat fitting of having like the someone from the you know the white house let alone someone yeah. that could kind of well it could have been re- like a someone, uh, someone that could have rewarded lucas haas's character it I could mean, have there's... been it could have been a, like a oh surprise he didn't die martin short oh yeah, 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 having like good. one like a band-aid wrapped around his hand or some fake hand or something like something funny well in mars attacks that. two space bashers he will come back that's he will come back that seems obvious <laughs> To find it. I, I honestly, I think Danny DeVito is probably the most useless character here. Given he the is useless, of, yeah. It's it's yeah. a mix of both. He's the he has you know he, he's on the poster and yet he has two scenes where he's not even he doesn't even have a name. Like his character is the only person in this movie that doesn't have a name. I mean, Tom Jones at least knows how to fly a plane. Yes, he he does. Yes. He adds to the plot. So I I probably say Danny DeVito. I mean, that's that said. His scenes are funny. Like I do, it does make me laugh when he shows up. Where he's like, when no one's paying attention, when he's like on the craps table, or when he walks up to Tom Jones, he's like, "Oh, can I get your autograph?" Like just the kind of his gleeful yeah. delivery yeah. of things in the midst of the chaos around him just does make me like legit laugh. But in terms of what he's adding to the movie, nothing. I mean, but yet he's in by like if you have to use ratios of usefulness of his character to. You know, standing within the cast, he's what, like fifth build or whatever, and he right. does absolutely nothing to add to this movie. At least right. Barbara does something to add to the movie. And I, I mean, the whole Jason Stone, Natalie Lake stuff, I don't, they don't really bring much. 
I like I like Jason I, I like, Stone. I mean, I, I you you can ask. I was I was upset question, when he I, was gone. I wanted more of that character in the movie. I, I I may not like the like. I may not think it's a I don't know quote unquote good movie. We'll get to the rating, I guess. But I I'm hard pressed to find characters I didn't like enjoy watching to some degree. I guess and that Benning maybe just because she's kind of annoying. But like, yeah. <laughs> This well, cast is so game for this movie. It that is. It's like, you know, like really it makes the, it. while it's impor- important to the plot, the Kansas stuff is kind of uninteresting. Yeah. Because well, none of those, those are none of the people that, I mean. I guess that, like, that's true given that Jim Brown is the heart of this movie because right. I, I people can argue that Lucas Haas's character, I mean, he does find the you know solution to killing the Martians. So that's one thing right there. But he does also have this kind of a, in a movie full of unlikable people. Him and Jim Brown and, pa- and uh, Pam Greer, like they're the ones that are actually like likable, and, and I guess Natalie Portman too. Like they're people that you can, you don't have to dislike because of what they're saying. Type characters. Yeah, I don't know. He I talks just... about TPs, and I just well with uh... all the with all the fun going around, he's like the boring straight storyline character, the the regular adventure. Like it's like with all the crazy zaniness going around. Like the coolest thing that happens to them is when the uh, he's in the truck and the big giant robots chasing after him isn't it endearing though when sylvia sid and he's like richie was my favorite and he gives a little smile while they're driving in the truck together that like, is that is yeah nice. it's, a, it's, nice. it's a nice it moment nice. like i in a movie that's full of you know meanness it's a it's, it's nice to have like yeah, something like that in there also sylvia sidney gets a great line too where he's like ah they blew up congress and she starts laughing yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> huge cast and a movie's not relatively long either no, it's 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 pretty quick. It's quick quick pace. I guess it's got a lot a lot of credits. Like the credits take out a good chunk of it too. <laughs> opening and closing. Well, like you said, there's like twenty like big names in this thing. The opening's yeah. worth it because of all that theremin. Uh, right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's like I just love theremin. We need more celebrities in this movie. To- <laughs> Put more of it in our movie. And the titles are fun, too. Like, is it because the, the names go around in a circle like the Flying Saucers? Like, there's fun opening credits in this movie. Yeah, yeah. No, when I, first time I saw this movie, like, the opening credits, I got, I was very excited about it. E- even the parade of burning cows didn't just, dis- dis- uh, <laughs> take me away from my excitement. Right. You, you sat there like, oh, it can only go up from here. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Look at all these names. This is neat. Oh, I was excited. There's a, there's a Martian right behind me. Now comes the time in the episode where we rate the film. Uh, as we are cults in the cavalcade, we keep our ratings culty. Your options are stay with your family, like Joe Don Baker. You're just hanging in your trailer and prepare for the alien invasion. Converted, like Pierce Brosnan. You are a fan of Natalie Lake's show, and you think it's pretty good. And drink the Kool-Aid. You're Artland, and you are definitely going to make some some uh, hubbub about this movie. Love it to death. So, Aaron, how do you rate Mars Attacks? I mean, when I was, when I was like 10, 11, I might have been like... Uh... Uh, drink the kool-aid i might be like on that area but i i'm a, I'm a converted or, or yeah uh it's the, <laughs> the movie it's incredibly silly it's not like it's 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 too mean to be like an absolute recommendation for anybody but there's there's so much like gleeful joy in the cast that's involved in this movie that it's that it's for, for me like watching it again after watch not watching it for such a long time it felt very like familiar in a very like positive way where it's like, I know how this is going to play out. It's not particularly deep, uh, but it, it like Tim Burton's kind of putting all of his, like all that energy he got from making a movie devoted to his hero, Ed Wood into his own movie. And while he may not have succeeded where Ed Wood quote unquote succeeded, I think he gave it a worthy try enough for me to be like, yeah, if I, I enjoy seeing a cast like this in a movie this silly. 
So, um, yeah, I uh, watching the Natalie Lake show and everything. All that. Colin. Uh, I guess I'm converted. The low end of converted. Because it's not bad enough to say, like, oh, what a turd. Don't watch that thing. But going into it, people need to be aware to have low expectations. When I when I saw this movie was coming out, I was friggin' pumped. Because it's Tim Burton movie. It's, it's, it's science fiction. There's all these big names. Joe Don Baker was probably going to die. I was super excited. So uh, when I saw it and I left, I was like, I don't know how I feel. Like... You know, it was like after watching. Well, it wasn't like after watching episode one, but it was. It, it was definitely like I was, was kind of confused at how I felt about it. And um, it, it's a movie that it had a lot of good in. Well, had a lot of good intentions. And the characters obviously didn't. But it's it's a movie that was that's not terrible. It just should have been a lot better. This thing, it feels like it should have been a home run. And it's just a single. You know, it's it's okay. Brandon, uh, what do you rate this movie? I'm going to go on the low end of converted as well. I, I think there's a lot going, a lot of strong things in this movie to help it overcome kind of how weak I think the main story and how it's handled might be. Like the cast, as Aaron mentioned, is so game in this movie and it's a lot of enjoyable people. Like, you know, Jack Nicholson's great in both roles and... You know, Jim Brown's charming. It's got a lot of awesome people. See, Pierce Brosnan was terrific. It's got some fun moments. Some some of its best moments, though, the funniest parts, are little throwaways that you might miss going around, which is funny. I don't think it's the worst Tim Burton's done by far. But, yeah, something about it just isn't all the way there for me, but there's a lot of strengths of it that make it an enjoyable watch. Um, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. I can't remember. I remember when it came out. I think I, li- I liked it pretty good, but I was very young then, and I may have caught it again sometime in the 00s. Can't can't remember. It, like Aaron said, it was very fresh on my mind, surprisingly, for it not being a movie I made myself like completely familiar with over the years. Uh, I feel like 90s movies are like that for some reason. There's something about that that happens. They stuck mm-hmm. around. I think that, that you know 90s movies were very quotable. The, the yeah, I feel like stuck with you for better or for worse. It's that kind of like TNT TBS culture because these movies would play a lot, so you kind of catch mm-hmm. them and like right. the ads. Yeah, it was ads. it was all about who could get the the movie out there first, and I mean we were also in the like home video era where you know rentals were super popular and getting your movie, the TV rights to a movie were a very a big a big deal, and I mean you could see them as a, a communal thing more often rather than people nowadays would be like, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it and things like that. But yeah, there's, it's just, there's a lot of things that this movie, I mean, this movie doesn't deserve like a lot of the good things that do happen for it. But I think, I think it's solid. I think it's a decent watch. I don't know if it's anything I'm just going to reach for all the time, but it, it's definitely harmless and you'll, you'll have some fun with it for sure. So yeah, light end of converted. I just I looked how- at my, my letterbox list of Tim Burton films ranked. Uh, I have it number 12 out of 17. So, you know, it's, it's better than five <laughs> other Tim Burton movies right now. <laughs> right. I, I love how begrudgingly that you accept that it's not bad. That's kind of, that's the that's the, the actual experience of watching the movie. It's like, well, I don't hate it. I don't know. It was fine, question mark, you know? Another good name for this movie, it was fine. Space Bastards. <laughs> Space <laughs> Bastards. Yeah. There's, there's a Martian right behind me. On the next 
new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing the Michael Dudikoff action breakout, American Ninja, from 1985. Our episode posts on the 4th of July, and we don't see any better way than with a canon film staple with American in the title to celebrate. Yeah! Cough. Our episode has come to an end. Thanks, Aaron, for coming on. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Glad I like the enthusiasm. He wanted to come back. Yeah, I, I jumped at the chance for this. <laughs> there we go. He's like, 90s? I have to be on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I, I generally just tune into the end of the episodes to see what you're doing next. <laughs> <laughs> when did that come out? December 89? <sighs> Gonna have to think about that. I'm no, I'm no Bon Jovi here. I'm not living on the edge. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back for Space Bastards. There we, <laughs> we look forward to next time, but first, stay tuned for the trailer for American Ninja, the trailer that actually trails. For 2,000 years, the sacred art of the ninja has been guarded in the East. Remember the day I found you. Now... It has come to the West. Remember what is hidden deep in your mind. He is the only soldier. Date of birth unknown. The only American. Who is he? Who is capable of defeating the secret Black Star Army. The mission to hijack a U.S. military arsenal. Your destiny, my son, awaits you. The adventure. The confrontation. The code. I will honor the code, Father. The invasion. Final hour. The deadliest art of the Orient is now in the hands of an American. American warrior. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the Creative Zombie Studios Network and on Twitter at my name is Cullen. You can find more of my work on whysoblue.com. My Twitter handle is at BTPeters. Our producer is Brad Shoemaker. Podcast edited by Brandon. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf found on the free musicarchive.org website. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio and no infringement is intended. Please join us again in two weeks for our next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. I'm just trying to cut a deal. What do you want me to do? Where are you? You bunch of losers! You're working with a professional here! Nice fucking models! Uh